Welcome to NDJ Pete's Talk, an educational podcast show that aims to give the most updated medical knowledge and approaches to common diseases in the field of pediatrics, including inspirational talks for the pediatric residents worldwide. The talks will be provided by our exceptional residents in collaboration with our esteemed consultants at King Abdullah Specialist Children's Hospital. Our goal is to help future pediatricians to lead the way to healthy child care. Stay tuned. Welcome to NGHA Pedstock. My name is Dikra Raglega, a pediatric resident in King Abdullah Specialized Children's Hospital. And our topic today is about asthma and asthma mimicker with Dr. Tamer Abusidu, a pediatric pulmonology fellow in University of Alberta. Welcome, Dr. Tamer. Thank you. Thank you very much. So the objectives of this episode are pathophysiology, clinical feature and diagnosis of asthma, asthma mimickers, and acute and chronic management of asthma. Let's talk about the pathophysiology, the clinical feature, and the diagnosis of asthma. So uh, asthma is an inflammatory disorder of the airways characterized by episodic persistent symptoms such as dyspnea, chest tightness, wheezing, sputum production, and cough associated with variable airflow limitation and airway hyperresponsiveness to indigenous or exogenous stimuli. So this is how asthma is defined, and usually asthma starts on asthmatic patients before six years of age. However, there remains uncertainty uh, as to when and how preschool-aged child with symptoms suggestive of asthma can be diagnosed with this condition. This delays the treatment, delays the diagnosis, and might contribute to a lot of morbidity in those conditions. So asthma should be considered in children who has um, one to five years of age with frequent symptoms suggestive of asthma or who has confirmed recurrent more than two exacerbation episodes of asthma-like symptoms and we will go to the details after. So the challenges in diagnosis in, specific, in the, this specific age group, especially the preschoolers, is that diagnosis requires an objective documentation of signs and, and uh, convincing uh, s- symptoms of asthma, which is not usually presented by this age. And there should be a no clinical suspicion of any alternative diagnosis, which we call the asthma mimickers. So the characteristic features of airflow obstruction is wheezing, which is commonly accompanied by difficulty of breathing and cough. And the, the main diagnosing symptom, or we can call it the sign, the main diagnosing for asthma in this case is the reversibility of the airway, which is usually happen with in response to short-acting uh, beta agonist. And this is uh, the only way to confirm diagnosis of asthma in those uh, ages. So school-aged children and adults guidelines recommend using of lung function tests, but for those below six years, unfortunately, to do the first experimental maneuver require is, uh, the required for spirometry is difficult. So that's why we cannot do full lung functions for them. So that's why there is controversy on diagnosing asthma and those ages. Thank you, Dr. Tamer. We see a lot of patients with symptoms that are suggestive of asthma. So how can we make a diagnosis of asthma? Yeah, so most children with asthma experience onset symptoms in the preschool years. Preschool have the preschoolers have the highest rate of emergency department visits, and that is, as you said, there is a lot of uh, kids who are coming to a hospital, especially f- below five years, with asthma-like symptoms, compared with other age groups. Importantly, 
evidence indicates that recurrent preschool wheezing responds to inhaled corticosteroid therapy similar to older children and adults. So early diagnosis is therefore very important to avoid the delay in treatment. So there are some old terms which is uh, which I recommend not to be used or at least to minimize using as possible like bronchospas, reactive airway disease, wheezy bronchitis, happy wheezers. All these terms has been used like in history and a lot, but also um, it was used because there are people try to avoid calling patients as asthma, which is not tr true. We can call them as asthma even like below two years of age if there's confirmatory signs and that will, especially if we ruled out all the other diagnoses. So recurrent preschool wheezing can be associated with morbidities and a lot of mortalities as well if they are missed as asthma. So how to diagnose asthma in this, uh, in this age group? The, f the main feature is, as I mentioned uh, earlier, is reversibility of air airway flow obstruction. So the hallmark of asthma is the reversibility of the airway flow obstruction, which has, should be documented and more specifically defined as documented response to short-acting beta agonist, like an emergency if there's an objective measures to, to measure uh, the response in 30 minutes after giving the short-acting beta agonist. This is confirmed, uh, confirming the diagnosis of asthma. And there are some children with asthma who presents with no objective signs of airway flow obstruction, only like chronic intermittent symptoms, and those can be confirmed by using a trial of medium dose inhaled corticosteroid for three months, which is, uh, if help helped uh, improving the symptoms, that will confirm the diagnosis of asthma. So just to summarize the approach, so uh, to diagnose uh, asthma in those specific below five years of age, we need to document airway flow obstruction the preferred method is documentation by a healthcare practitioner, like an emergency or a physician, and, and confirm the reversibility of uh, the, uh, the signs of airway obstruction and the reversibility. The alternative way is convincing parental report of wheezing or other symptoms, which and confirming the um, the response to short-acting beta agonist or to trial of three months of inhaled corticosteroid of medium dose and the most that the third uh, element of this age is the presence of no clinical evidence of any alternative diagnosis or asthma mimicker thank you dr tamar for this very clear approach now what about asthma mimickers what are the asthma mimickers and how can we differentiate between asthma and its mimickers so asthma mimickers are um, alternative diagnosis which presents like asthma and especially like below five years of age it might present and like asthma and doesn't cross minds of uh, most of the general practitioners emergency physicians who are busy with a lot of kids so they need to to stabilize the patient get him in or get him out so they sometimes miss uh, alternative diagnosis if it's not obvious. So how to approach them? You need to ask and you need to take a full history, especially with kids below five years of age, once and twice and multiple times. Even if this kid like diagnosed as asthma and he's three years of age, till he reached five years of age and no other diagnosis is confirmed, you need every time you approach him or he approach you in emerg emergency to take a full history and try to rule out all the other diagnoses. So to summarize, we have a lot of other uh, factors or asthma mimickers, and you need to ask about signs and symptoms to, to clarify them. So one of the most common is uh, allergy, 
allergic rhinosinusitis and uh, you can clarify that by asking about the persistent nasal discharge upper airway narrowing which might present like asthma so asking about like infectious uh, like croup uh, laryngomalacia, signs of tracheal stenosis, persistent wheeze and persistent, persistent transmitted sounds regardless of um, the asthma symptoms. Um, foreign body, which is one of the most important asthma mimickers and can be missed easily but and can, can be clarified by physical exam, sometimes unilateral wheeze, sometimes a history of uh, witnessed uh, foreign body ingestion. Uh, bronchitis, which is the most common cause of wheeze below one year of age, and uh, pneumonia for sure, atelectasis, other serious infections like pertussis, which might present with a cough that might last for 100 days, so needs to be clarified when patients has a current bronchitis, especially below one year. PBD, which was with bronchopulmonary dysplasia or recurrent congenital lung disease of infancy, which well, might confirm by taking neonatal history and asking about prematurity, how is a patient uh, born term or preterm, so other um, uh, other uh, um, congenital airway malformations. So do these usually are missed, especially with early uh, presentation, but you can ask about the signs and symptoms since birth, because if there's something there since birth, usually it, it shows some signs and symptoms since birth, regardless of attacks of viral or having any triggers. Uh, bronchiectasis, cystic fibrosis for sure to be, especially that we don't have newborn screening in the country so far so um, uh, in the future i believe there are good news about cystic fibrosis newborns going to be added to it to the um, the current newborn screening primary ciliary dyskinesia is one of the differential diagnoses that easily can be missed and the most cardinal sign is that patient has persistent nasal symptoms since birth and persistent cough of newborn Gastroesophageal reflux disease is one of the asthma mimickers. It has multiple pathophysiology, a lot of theories to how can present by asthma. Silent aspiration can be one at, um, um, triggering the vagal, uh, vagus nerve can be another one. Dysphagia, dysphagia can be a sign of eosinophilic esophagitis. For sure, if the patient has a recurrent serious infection, you need to consider immune deficiency. and. The last, uh, the last, but uh, uh, should be considered if the patient comes with mild fever and severe respiratory stress. You think you should think about cardiac conditions and heart failure, especially acute myocarditis and congenital heart disease. So, doctor, what is the approach we should follow for such patients? Um, okay, so for for those kids, especially like five years and uh, and below, um, there were a lot of efforts to to clarify and. Uh, make um, a diagnostic approach for them. Uh, for me, I prefer to follow a specific approach than uh, doing such mind-blowing for them. So if this patient came with current signs of airway flow obstruction currently, and he had before one time documented asthma-like salvation, and there are no red flags or any for any alternative diagnosis which we mentioned before, so you should go with therapeutic trial of short-acting beta agonist, or short-acting beta agonist and inhaled corticosteroid or oral corticosteroid if the presentation is severe. So if the patient had clear improvement and he had the first, uh, first att an attack before which is documented an asthma-like, so this is com for sure an asthma. So if he has no clear improvement, 
you should consider that this is unclear diagnosis and you have to look for uh, alternative diagnosis. So if this patient came with no current signs of airflow flow obstruction like he is and came into clinic for review or for clinic for evaluation referred from uh, somewhere else, if he has more than two uh, reported episodes of asthma like no red flags for any alternative diagnosis, no previous documentation of an ER for airway obstruction. So, and he has like frequent symptoms similar to asthma. So you should consider uh, monitor and reassess if the patient is asymptomatic and give him like a trial of short acting beta agonist as needed. And if he has still symptoms intermittent, you can go with inhaled corticosteroid for three months. If the patient showed clear improvement, so this is an asthma, if he has no clear improvement or had mild infrequent symptoms or he had an exacerbation in, in the middle, so you should consider what's called uh, de-challenge, which is stopping the media management and see what's happening. If he deteriorate, so that means it's an asthma. If he didn't deteriorate, so this means that this is something else and you need to clarify and look again to all the asthma because we mentioned before. So this is how things can go. And for uh, the preferred doses and uh, medications refused, for sure we know that short atemianus, we use salbutamol or ventolin. So four puffs is the recommended dose for the challenge. And uh, the assessment should be at least in 30 minutes if there are mild clinical symptoms. If the moderate or, or severe exacerbation, we give four puffs multiple times, which is two to three doses which reassess the, the, the response in 60 minutes. Uh, oral corticosteroids, prednisolone uh, or dexamethasone effect can be monitored in three to four hours. It's not an effective uh, of uh, urgency and the path, the, I mean the, um, the period of action needs time to, to get there. So uh, if there is no signs of airway flow obstruction, so in health subtimals, like two puffs Q4 to Q6 hourly as needed, and even the response to the salbutamol should be monitored within 30 minutes. And the daily inhaled corticosteroids, and uh, usually the efficacy should be two to three months to, to, to have an uh, effect. So different doses can be used, and the, the majority, the mild dose is 100 microgram per day as a total dose and uh, the moderate dose is 200 to 250 according to which category you use either beclomethazone or fluticazone. And is approaching a patient in whom we suspect the diagnosis of an asthma mimicry different in ER and inpatient or outpatient setting? In general, uh, it shouldn't be different, but I cannot ask like an emergency physician to do such a, a long approach because they are busy, they are caring for a lot of kids and they need to stabilize the kid as much as they need and then then they will just send the patient either, either as an inpatient or outpatient. So what, what happens is uh, once they are stabilizing the patient, I send him for inpatient, here where the approach goes. And what, what we need, to improve, I believe, in assessment for like asthma kids and, and, and all ages is to have an objective measurement. So what commonly used objective assessment is called the PRAM, which is Pediatric Respiratory Assessment Measurement Score, which has uh, five specific elements, the oxygen saturation, presence of suprasternal tractions, scalene muscle retractions, air entry, and wheezing. So you can score out of 12 to see if this is mild, moderate, severe exacerbation, and you can even monitor the response to medication 
after 30 minutes by monitoring the score, which is giving you more objective measurement rather than subjective measurement, which is not applicable and will not help in improving the evidence-based care for those kids. So just to summarize things, children one to five years of age with recurrent episodes of asthma, more than two, should have a trial of asthma treatment if they improve this is an asthma if they didn't improve you have to consider something else and if the children has mild exacerbation they're worrisome uh, having a trial of short-acting beta agonist and to adequately interpret the therapeutic trials clinicians should be uh, also ensure that the family uh, using the asthma medication in the right way using the right technique and they are reporting all the symptoms and you are using it with spacer and uh, and, the, and the time medical reassessment should be uh, uh, accurate. And lastly, let's talk about the management of asthma. So what are the medication we use in asthma? What are the steps we should follow in ER? And what is the outpatient management of asthma? So in general management of any uh, disease or chronic condition especially has non-pharmacological uh, agent and a pharmacological agent so then the non-pharmacological agent is once you diagnose asthma and this is confirmed diagnosis families and caregivers should receive an asthma education that includes a written self-action plan emphasizing the adherence to asthma medication appropriate inhaler with a spacer and technique instructions and confirming that, that, that they can use it in proper way and for children uh, especially like up to three or four years a spacer with correctly sized face mask is preferred for and for uh, above like four and five years they can use the mouthpiece if they can uh, consider doing a good mouth uh, seal around it so uh, other than this a trained healthcare professional should observe their way uh, of doing the, uh, the giving the medication because a lot of the asthma exacerbation and uncontrolled asthma symptoms is uh, really from the technique and the wrong beliefs and the wrong way of, uh, of giving uh, the medications or misadherence of, uh, to the medication. So avoidance of all the irritants. Uh, including all the triggers that I'd been identified for this kid, either endogenous, exogenous, and uh, even like uh, avoidance of cigarette smoking in home and, and all the sittings around the kid is important for uh, eliminating environmental allergens uh, of the ch if the child is sensitized. For the pharmacological, we have multiple agents, and starting like if this kid diagnosed an emergency, we have a short-acting beta agonist, we have the steroids, and we have other agents which might help in decreasing the admission and uh, avoiding uh, ICU admissions. So short-acting beta agonist, we all know the salbutamol, and salbutamol can be used in nebulized version versus inhaled uh, versus buffers and uh, versus also IV or continuous nebulization. So, uh, as a trial in the beginning and emerge and the evidence support that using uh, puffers is almost equal to nebulization if used in the proper technique some challenges with giving the puffers and emerge is with the patient being irritable giving it to doing the right technique uh, will require a healthcare professional to be there which is not always be there so patients uh, sometimes uh, people prefer to go with uh, 
nebulized uh, treatment, especially for younger kids. So can be used uh, once, twice, three times. The doses can be up to uh, the, the regular doses 0.15 milligram per kg. And uh, to make it easy and emerge, usually below 20 kgs, we give 2.5 milligram, and above uh, 20 kgs, we give five. And it can be repeated up to continuous naps and uh, continuous means uh, q15 minutes which is uh, even if you give buffer every 15 minutes that's considered continuous treatment so other uh, the oral steroid versus iv steroid uh, is a cornerstone in the management and the main uh, really therapy uh, because it's not only a risk where it's this is the main therapy and the one that reversed the airway inflammation so but it needs time to work so usually three to four hours is the uh, our uh, time of um, action for uh, and onset for the steroids uh, multiple agents can be used in different doses but whatever available like prednisolone one milligram per kg or dexamethasone 0.6 sometimes there are some references with 0.5 milligram per kg so it depends on the case. I, in Emerge, some people prefer to use the dexamethasone because it has better adherence because it requires less doses than the prednisolone. Uh, and there's no difference in the evidence base or uh, between the outcome between both uh, lines. Uh, other elements including magnesium sulfate can be used. Magnesium sulfate if used usually used if the patient requires admission to PICU and magnesium sulfate can be used in a dose run ranging between 25 to 75 milligram per kg with a maximum dose of 500 and uh, um, this one uh, should be monitored uh, the patient should be monitored during uh, the administration of the magnesium sulfate for arrhythmia, for uh, hypotension, and that's why it should be given like in a high dependency unit or at least with a cardiac monitor attached. Uh, other uh, other elements which can be used for sure if the patient has dehydration, IV fluid should be considered. Uh, other than this. There are a lot of talks about inhaled corticosteroid and, and, and acute exacerbation. In general talk, the most of the evidence doesn't support giving inhaled corticosteroid, but there are some reports such, uh, suggestive that uh, doubling the dose of inhaled corticosteroid in emergency conditions can help. The, the recent GINA guidelines supported using uh, long-acting beta agonist plus the uh, which is the plus the inhaled steroid, which is the Simbicort, in emergency conditions, which had, can be helps uh, can be helping in some conditions. But in general, talk if the patient requires admission, you are using systemic steroid. Usually, we don't use these medications. Other medications, which usually not for the acute emergency medications, but for the stepwise uh, approach in, in outpatient management, is uh, the um, singular or mentally cast, which is lorlicotrine modifiers, which is uh, usually can be used starting from step two as an alternative management, and not a single medication use uh, in general. But uh, usually we prefer to go with the, with the inhaled corticosteroids as as initial management. Um, but if uh, the uh, if the patient uh, is, still needs more and uh, more increasing the doses of the inhaled corticosteroid, usually we prefer to go for the singular uh, rather than going to higher doses. So, going to the inhaled corticosteroid, especially for the outpatient management, 
it can be used in different doses. Usually, the the, the minimal dose is 100 uh, microgram per day. The moderate dose is 200 to 250, according to the uh, agent you will use, and can be going to 500 per day uh, as a high dose. But uh, usually, don't prefer going to high dose without referring to a specialist uh, for uh, especially ruling out other alternative diagnosis and. Uh, it can be used once a day or twice a day. If there is a problem with adhe with um, adherence to the medication, some uh, some some evidence-based medicine reports uh, that it can be used once a day at a, uh, as a higher dose for increasing uh, and uh, increasing the adherence of the medication. Okay. And um, lastly, when should we consider a referral to a specialist? Yeah, a referral to specialists should be considered, especially if the patient has diagnosis of uncertainty or suspicion of asthma mimicker. Uh, and to know, uh, this is one of the uh, most uh, important elements. If a patient has repeated exacerbations requiring oral steroid and hospitalization, especially in ICU, despite using a moderate dose of inhaled corticosteroid, he should be considered to be reported to pulmonologist. If the patient has, uh, as I mentioned, life-threatening events such admission to ICU. Uh, if the patient needs an allergy testing to assess the possible role of environmental agents and other new medications, uh, especially the anti-IgE meds, other consideration like if the patient, if the family has prenatal, uh, if they have anxiety, need reassurance or additional education about it, uh, they should be referred to a specialist. What is your take-home message consider uh, to, to summarize things and take home message for everyone asthma is diagnosed in children in one to five years and people shouldn't be afraid of labeling patients as asthma if they ruled out everything else uh, using uh, the signs and symptoms for the most known asthma mimickers if, especially if the patient has airflow obstruction and reversibility obstruction which is confirmed by healthcare professional so in the absence uh, in the absence of clinical evidence of any alternative diagnosis uh, objective documentation of airway flow obstruction and reversibility should be done and people should train themselves to report things in objective matters and instead of uh, using subjective matters U using the algorithms and the diagnostic approach will help uh, in most of the cases to rule out other conditions and to diagnose asthma and being comfortable with the diagnosis once the diagnosis is confirmed Daily low dose of inhaled corticosteroid is the most recommended way of treatment and the preferred management strategy and education for the family, including techniques, medication adherence, avoidance of triggers is very critical in those conditions for improvement of their lifestyle and improvement and remove and also uh, decreasing the mortality and morbidity associated with missed asthma. Thank you so much, Dr. Dr. Tamer, for the, giving us this comprehensive review about asthma and asthma mimickers.